Hell yeah. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. This is Zebo Zach Lyons, and I am up in Mount Juliet with, in the Herndon House Studios, Mike Herndon is with me. How's it going? Hell yeah. We had some scheduling conflicts, so Lebowski nor Keith will be here. Uh, today we are going to talk about the trades that went down with the Texans, the Goff contract and the Zeke contract, the 53-man roster, our kicker predicament, and then, of course, we're going to preview the Browns versus uh, the Titans. And then we are also going to bring you our bold predictions, which we have four sponsors for each host's predictions. And it's going to be it's amazing. It's very exciting. <laughs> so, Mike, nothing really happened since the last time we recorded, right? It's yeah, pretty it's, quiet in the NFL. Yeah, not a whole lot going on. I, I don't know, uh, you know, just a sleepy start to the season. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, it was wild. It, there, so much happened during that 53-man cut day that I just couldn't tweet. Yeah. It's just my head could not comprehend everything that was going on. It was insane. I, I was trying to keep up with everything from a cut standpoint. You know, obviously on Music City Miracles, we were doing the trackers for, you know, the cut players. And then the next day we were doing them for players getting added to uh, the practice squad. And it was like... I, you know, I'm sitting there refreshing stuff and trying to keep up with the Titan stuff. And then the, all this other stuff has happened. And it was just, it was kind of a wild day in general. It was a, a great day for Twitter. Well, it's a great day for the Titans, in my opinion, with the trades that the Texans did. Uh, I am very happy that Clowney is gone. Yes. Severely weakens a defense that was already weak because those defensive backs cannot cover anybody to provide the pass rush to get there, provide them time. So, Jadavion Clowney was traded to Seattle, and they got, in return, the Texans got Barcavius Mingo, Jacob Martin, both fringe linebackers uh, that were probably not going to make the roster, and a 2023rd rounder. What yeah. are your initial thoughts on this? It's a horrible return. I mean, because if you think about the, the 2023rd rounder, if the Texans were to play Jadavion Clowney this year, and then let him walk next year in free agency, chances are they're going to get a 2021 first or third rounder as a compensatory pick anyways, assuming they didn't sign a whole bunch of free agents next year, which I don't think they're going to be able to afford to do anyways because of the contracts that they have coming up. So I, you're basically trading uh, for a third for a third, so you're getting kind of a wash there, and then you're getting two crappy linebackers. I mean – you got nothing. They basically got nothing for Jadavian Clowney. Well, I, I don't understand why teams don't... I, I know that he wasn't going to sign the franchise tag either way, right? I mean, he wasn't right. going to play. But why fill your roster with two losers that aren't going to do anything and get what's probably going to be a shitty third rounder because of the yeah. Seahawks are going to be pretty good because this trade works out perfectly for them yeah why not I, i'm with you start holding on to these players that are just gonna whine and not do it i mean the steelers yeah. did it last year and it really didn't affect anything they didn't just trade them away for nothing yeah let them let them walk and get your compensatory pick and go on about your business you what, what does this mean for i mean looking at this team the texans defense all I really know is J.J. Watt. Yeah. Who else is on there that's a pass rush threat now that he is gone? I mean, Merciless is a little bit of a threat, and he was injured, I think, a lot last season, so he had a down year last year, but it's hard to tell how much of an that was injury. But 
I mean, he's not a guy that really frightens you, I don't think. I don't think you're game planning for him. So now you can kind of really game plan for Watt, and it's going to be tougher for him without Clowney because Clowney was great at, especially on third downs, lining up inside against one of the guards and just, I mean, the guy is a freak from a size, speed, power standpoint, and he could just overwhelm a lot of the guards on the inside. So, you know, without that, that's a big piece of what made them good defensively the last few years. And you're right, that secondary is trash. So yeah, because Kareem Jackson's gone. Yeah, uh, and the safety got they old got ass Jonathan Joseph somehow still playing out there. Yeah, was it Eric Reed's brother that went yeah. to the Texans? He's Justin pretty Reed. good, but he's I mean, a pretty good player. when a you're a, player. he's a safety though, right? Yeah. So like what. The, the, your safety is going to be limited when you don't have anybody covering the receivers you know that can do it very well i mean yeah. to me everybody is is underreacting to this trade now that this next trade happened because it's like this next trade means that the texans are going to be number 1 because it solves everything and that <laughs> is the trade that the texans sent two first round picks and a second and Johnson Bidmosi, a special teamer, and Julian Davenport, a tackle, to the Dolphins for Tunsil and Stills in a fourth and a six. So let's let's talk about this trade. I don't think this changes too much for the Texans as far as the offensive line goes. Yes, it's a massive upgrade, but you still got four other shitty players on there. And yeah. they've hemorrhaged their their draft hoping that Tunsil is gonna save this offensive line. Well, they still have other problems that they're going to have to fix. Yeah, yeah, and it severely limits their ability to do so moving forward, too. I mean, because now you're without first-round picks in the next two years. You already traded away. You were without your first and second-round pick last year, not not this past draft, but the draft before that. And so now you're going to go out of a four-year span, you're going to have three years with no first-round pick and two years with no second-round pick. And, That's and let, really bad. And let's also say that they spent a first-round pick on Titus Howard, who's not even yeah, playing, yeah. so they basically didn't have a first-round pick yeah, next year. And they year, spent their second-round pick on, uh, what's the other guy's name, Sharping, yeah. uh, Max Sharping, who's now been moved inside to guard, too. So you better hope those guys are good eventually because the, the help's not coming from the draft here for the next few years, and that's that's a major issue. And like you mentioned, there's, there's a real problem in the fact that you're starting – possibly two rookie guards who were supposed to be tackles but weren't very good so then now they're guards and uh Chantrell Henderson still sucks at right tackle um Nick Martin's a guy he's okay at center but he's probably your second best offensive lineman on that team that's a problem so well let, let's Tunsil's good I yeah, mean, there's there's no good. there's no doubt about this it this makes the Texans better yeah. without a doubt in 2019 but it doesn't make them should be unanimous favorites in the in the Oh yeah, I don't think in the so. AFC South, right? right? I mean, to me, that it's not that good yeah. because I mean, Joe Thomas was a great tackle. Yeah, he was a great for the Browns, but the Browns sucked because the rest of those guys couldn't block. <laughs> yeah, and you know, another thing, Tunsil started out slow in Miami. Now yeah. he, I don't know this if I guess I'm, I'm assuming because it's uh, Chad O'Shea and Bill Bryan both come from Bill Belichick. Scheme's mm-hmm. probably pretty similar, yeah. but. If if everybody else sucks around Tunsil, I'm starting to I begin to have doubts that maybe Tunsil may not be Pro Bowl good. He may yeah. just be a little bit average the first year. It's tough to get thrown into a new team with you know a week and a half before your first game. You, you know it. 
as an offensive lineman, yeah, you're blocking the guy in front of you, but there's a lot of technique things and, and protection calls and things like that that he's going to have to pick up on, and maybe he can pick up on all that well enough to be good in, in the first week, but there's a chance that he starts a little bit slow because he's trying to get some chemistry going with the guys that are playing next to him who, you know, he's playing next to a rookie. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there. I'm not sure, like you said, that he's not the white knight that's going to make this all of a sudden a really good offensive line. He just might keep it from being, like, really awful in an important spot. Yeah. You know? Uh, So, I put it this way. Last year, the Texans allowed 62 sacks. This year, they may only allow 52. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 I mean, that's I, I think that's a you and know that would be that would be if he's awesome. Yeah, you know yeah. That, that's uh, that's a good way to put it. The uh, Kenny Stills, he was on his way out. They they get him in the trade. Yeah. Um, let's talk about just a little bit. Where do you think he fits in this rotation with Kiki Kuti and Will Fuller? It's it's kind of interesting. He's almost to me like Will Fuller insurance because you know Fuller's obviously been hurt a lot, and Stills does a lot of the same stuff that Fuller does as far as being a speed threat, a vertical threat. So I I kind of see him as insurance. I guess he'll play a good bit. Maybe I I feel like Kute is a better slot fit, but I mean you got to get him out there. You're paying him what eight million dollars yeah, or something like this year. So and that's the other thing. If they if the Dolphins had cut Stills. The Texans could have possibly signed him to a more palatable contract, but since they traded for him, they've got to absorb that contract in the you know eight million dollar cap hit or whatever for the next two years. So eight million dollars is a lot of money to pay for a guy that's basically insurance. The uh, are they just planning to go four wide because they're Maybe. big? They're big uh, sign. Uh, did they trade or did they they traded for Carlos Hyde? That was the other trade I think we were missing. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. traded for Car- Carlos Hyde, so now it's Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson back there. I would assume they're just going to go four to five wide and just line Duke Johnson out because Carlos Hyde brings nothing. Yeah, Carlos Hyde doesn't do anything for you. Their tight ends are not good. The uh, the other trade that they made that reminds because it was four trades. They traded away Martinez Rankin, who was their third-round pick last year, for like a seventh or something like that yeah. to the Browns. Did he go or Denver? Yeah, maybe it's Denver. Denver. Um, yeah, so he he goes to the Broncos for a seventh-round pick. So you're taking a 2018. Like if you think the Titans trading away Taewon Taylor, who was a 2017 third-round pick, and getting a, a seventh for next year is bad, the Texans did it after just one year with this guy and he's another offensive lineman that they tried to draft and, and, and develop and, and they got ranking ranking because of the draft pick they got from in the Dwayne Brown trade yeah that's so, right so <laughs> so they traded away Dwayne Brown and for, for essentially a seventh round pick yeah <laughs> I mean it's it's ridiculous um if they just kept Dwayne Brown, <laughs> with this, they would have just two, paid Dwayne two extra third or two extra uh, first round picks and uh, an extra second round pick. Well, let's let's talk about some more contract deals. Uh, Jared Goff and Ezekiel Elliott both got pretty huge deals, and they do have an impact on Marcus and um, Derrick Henry going forward. And of mm-hmm. course, um, we also have the uh, right tackle contract um lyle collins lyle collins or whatever is it lyle i think it's lyle lyle yeah i think let's call him lyle lyle (laughs) collins uh so jared goff's contract is four year 134 million dollar contract 110 million guaranteed per year salary of 33.5 million dollars so mike let's talk about 
what kind of impact do you feel this has on Marcus's contract? Um, you know, obviously it's going to affect your numbers for your franchise tag, which is probably the most most important aspect of that right now. I don't think unless Marcus just has an incredible season, it's hard to see him getting anywhere in the, you know, for him to reset the the quarterback market or to get like anywhere near 110 million dollars guaranteed was pretty far-fetched for me at this point. But I, I do think it, you know, obviously every one of these contracts that signed raises the boat for all other quarterback contracts because, you know, it's it's like, you know, buying a house or selling a house. Other houses in the neighborhood go for sale for more money than, than what they should have gone for. Then that just raises the price for everybody else. It's all about comps. And that's the way that these agents negotiate these contracts. So, you know, Goff's deal certainly raises the boat or raises the the tied for all boats for for quarterbacks so Marcus is included in that well then you got to think that the Dak Prescott I mean the way the Cowboys have been handing out contracts and extensions left and right you got to think that Dak is coming before Mm -hmm. Marcus comes which is understandable so when before this contract happened the uh roughly the franchise tag was about $25 million. Mm-hmm. So now I'm projecting with Goff's contract and what's going to be Dak's contract, I'm projecting that to probably move up to around $28 million. Yeah. Because, I mean, you got to remember it's an average and it's either 110%. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very tricky math. So yeah. these contracts don't move up the franchise tag that much. Yeah. Well, the minimum that it could even possibly be – for him because he's making what 21 million yeah. this year would be like 23 ish yeah. 24 ish so it's going to be somewhere north of that most likely and d- just for spot track purposes uh they do a market value now this hasn't taken into account golf's contract yet mm-hmm. but currently they have it at a five-year 113 million dollar contract which uh, with an average salary about 22.6 mil which seems a little inexpensive but I'm thinking that it's probably going to be if he were to get if he were to ball out and get an extension and not a tag. I think it's going to be around 25 mil per year. Yeah, I, 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 I think right. 25 mil per year, 28 mil on a franchise tag are both reasonable numbers depending on what happens this season. As long as he has a good season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really, the golf contract has little effect, lot of effect, or moderate effect on Marcus. I'd say uh, I'd say smallish, somewhere yeah. between small and moderate. It's just because he's not going to reset the market. Uh, I think that's pretty safe to say at this point, unless it just something crazy happens. But uh, yeah, I think it, I think it helps him a little bit, but not not probably a ton. Okay, well, let's go to Zeke. He signed a six-year, ninety million dollar contract with fifty million guaranteed and an annual salary of fifteen million. Now, I think people get uh, number blind, and they saw the six-year $90 million and they thought, that is too expensive. <laughs> they, we, we, they, they've priced Derrick Henry, if he has a good year, out of our market. That's a reasonable per-year salary, and they can get out of it pretty quickly yeah. uh, if they need to. To me, this has does have a big – this has a bigger effect on – Derek's contract with the Titans than the Goff contract with Marcus, in my opinion. What do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I do think, obviously, running backs hadn't been getting paid there for a little bit. In the last couple deals here with Gurley and now Zeke and um, 
wasn't there one more that got paid or am i misremembering that uh, bell uh bell yeah bell got good money so recently we've seen a few guys sign and that obviously if henry does have a big year i don't, I don't think henry's going to get zeke money because frankly zeke has been doing basically what henry did over those last five games last year for his entire career so far more or less um so i think zeke is kind of in a different class and I can't imagine them paying Henry at that kind of per average. What was it? 15 million a year. Basically. Um, I think you're going to see if, if Henry picks up where he left off last year and has a really nice year, maybe, you know, 1200 to 1400 yards and double digit touchdowns. I think you probably see him, his costs come in around 10 to 12 million a year, roughly. Um, and it all depends on how you structure it too. Cause I mean, all of this, Zeke has got, I think it's $28 million roughly guaranteed at signing, which means a lot of this other stuff is movable. So that, that's probably what the Cowboys are going to do. I mean, I doubt he's going to play out the whole six years of this deal without it being adjusted. They're just going to kick the can down the road later or get rid of him if they feel like he's no longer worth it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a terrible deal, actually, for Zeke, um, what the Cowboys gave him. They uh, spot track has the market value for Kareem Hunt, who's about the same age and same contract time expiring as Derrick Henry. They have his market value at four years, forty four point seven million, which is an average of eleven point two. Might as well just call it eleven point two. David Johnson's getting paid thirteen mil a year. Uh, Todd Gurley's average is fourteen point three, fifteen mil. I I agree with you. I'm thinking a little over $10 million can get you a deal with Derrick Henry and not break the bank and break your back on the salary cap. Which brings us to our next one. It's, it's kind of funny that a quarterback, a right tackle, and a running back all got contracts recently, and yeah. those are three of the contracts that we got coming up. Yeah. Which brings us to Jack Conklin, who has looked, who's an all pro in 2016. Yeah. Did not get his extension uh, picked, his fifth year option picked up because it was what, 20 mil? It would have been, well, his fifth year option would have been like 13 million. Oh, I thought for, it was 20 mil for, for the, his fifth this season. Um, so, Lyle Collins, Lyle, uh, five year, 50,000 or 50 million dollars, 10, 10 on average. Yep. Which is not bad. Yeah. I mean, Conklin to me, is an eight or nine mil guy right now because he hasn't consistently done it. Yeah. Now, if he comes back and he is awesome and he reaches that all pro level again, I'd still be okay with getting eleven mil or twelve mil if he needs to get up above that average. Yeah. Um to me, Conklin and Henry are very important because whether Marcus is good or Marcus is bad, he's gonna need both of them. And if he's bad a rookie's going to need both of those guys, or the bridge quarterback. So, with this being said, what do you think of this deal and how it affects Conklin? Yeah, so I think this deal shows exactly why the Titans not picking up Conklin's fifth-year option was the right call. Whether he plays well or not this year doesn't really matter. I I think it was the right call either way because worst-case scenario – he plays great and you sign him for a long-term deal that pays him somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 13 mil a year, which is what he would have gotten next year if they'd picked up that option this year. So I think that's why it's a good idea. I think you've got to, you've got to look at what the offensive line pay structure looks like because they, 
the franchise tag and the fifth year option and everything for offensive linemen are tied to the position as a whole. It's not individual spots. So you're basically anytime you have an offensive lineman on a fifth year option, you're looking at basically paying them the average of like the top five left tackle uh, salary. So right tackle versus left tackle, I don't think it's a huge deal anymore in the NFL or not, not as big of a deal as it is often made to be, but right tackles still get paid less. So Conklin, I think could easily bounce back. I think he is going to bounce back this year. And I, I still think he's going to be the right call. They're going to end up getting him on a deal that probably actually has a lower cap hit for next year, which is going to be important given some of the contracts that are on the books right now, contracts that they have coming up and they can smooth it out and make him happy long-term and everybody's good. And, and to be honest, I think that they're probably still in contract talks with the agent kind of filling them out because I think that by let's say week 10, if he's still playing awesome, like we believe that he can be and that he yeah. has so far shown that he is, I think a contract will be done before week 17 or before the before free agency even starts. I, I mean, I, I think it'll be done before even the season ends. They've, they've been pretty – those have been pretty rare for the Titans, yeah. I feel like, in-season extensions. Um, but I could see it in this case just because they've got so many deals coming up and so many of them have impacts on each other. I think you got to figure out as soon as you can – who the priorities are and which guys you can sign at a reasonable rate right now and go ahead and get them knocked out so that you can focus on those other deals later. Well, speaking of deals, the Titans signed Ben Jones to a two-year extension. Um, a, w- a little pricey yeah, for my liking. Uh, like $6.5 a year yeah, or something. I'm, I'm not too upset over it. I know a lot of people don't understand Ben Jones is a league average at worst. At his worst, a league average center. Yeah. And the free agent market is awful. Yes. Because the Pouncey was the only uh the only one hitting the was it Pouncey or Khalil? Uh well last year Morse and Paradise hit the market yeah, but, and they both got but paid. I think Pouncey or Khalil, one or the other, the center of the two was mm-hmm. gonna hit the market and he's and he got an extension recently. Yeah, yeah, Pouncey did. So yep. he, he the best one is off the board. Yeah. Looking and I looked at it, Ben Jones is easily the best free agent on that market. Yeah. And the reason you keep someone like Ben Jones is because Marcus and him have a good communication and have good rapport. You don't really know what's going to happen in the draft and who's going to be there and who's going to be available. It doesn't mean that they can't cut him because they got to remember they gave Klein an extension and he ain't here anymore. Right. So, regardless of what happens, you have your center position figured out for the next two years, which is a good thing to have yeah. and for continuity purposes and everything. Um, any thoughts on Ben Jones other than what we just kind of rambled on about? No, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. He is an a league average center, and we should not take that for granted because if you look around the league at some of these other teams, they've got much worse situations at center. Um, and Jones, I mean, he's not—he's never going to be a great player. I think he's going to be fine in the middle. I think he's smart. I think he communicates well on the offensive line. That's what we hear from everybody that comes across him in the Titans' offensive line. So I think there's some value there that maybe he doesn't get credit for among the, the majority of the fan base. And – like you said, I, I'm sure when the contract details come out, it's unlikely that there's a whole lot past, you know, maybe next year that's guaranteed. Um, so if they need to get out of it or if they find a guy in the draft that they just love, they can they can move on. But 
I think this is mainly tied to Corey Levin and whatever the Titans did not see in Corey Levin. I know we'll get to that here in just a minute, but as soon as that Ben Jones contract came out, my first thought was that's really bad news for Corey Levin because I think the plan all along had been for Levin to be the center moving on from Jones so that they would they would let Jones's contract expire let Levin take over next year on on a cheap rookie deal and then maybe give him an extension you know a cheaper extension for the next few years and and kind of transition it that way but for whatever reason Levin just wasn't developing like they expected him to and I think this is their reaction to it was to tie saddle up Jones for a couple more years and and, and end up cutting Levin who yeah. ends up going to the Broncos so we'll get into the 53 man roster uh Corey Levin being cut was a big surprise to me yeah just because I mean it it can provide depth and I figured he'd be a better center option than Super Bowl champion Jamil Douglas um <laughs> uh, so I was kind of shocked and now he's going over to Mike Munchak and you know Munchak can probably develop him while he doesn't have to start or anything, but yeah. he can be developed and everything. So may, hopefully Corey Levin does have something that he can provide an NFL team. Yeah. It's I thought it was weird that he didn't they didn't think that he could provide some kind of security, stability or something. What's what's your take on that? I, I think what it came down to at the end of the day was that they didn't see him developing like they wanted him to to be able to take over for Jones and they also didn't, and this is true for him going back his entire career here, they've always liked him more at center than at guard, and if you looked at his play in the Jets game versus his play in the uh, Chargers game, he was way better at center than he was at guard. Guard, that Chargers game, Levin was a total disaster, um, just total disaster at left guard. So I think they wanted when once they decided that okay he's not going to be the heir apparent for Ben Jones and we need a backup that can play center and guard and they didn't feel like they could put him in at guard if something was to happen to Saffold or or Palmfield so I think that's why you ended up seeing Jamil Douglas um, get that spot over uh, Corey Levin. Uh, let's talk about the quarterbacks Logan Woodside just as you predicted. I'll give you your props. Logan Woodside ended up um, passing through waivers, getting cut, passing through waivers, and is on the practice squad. Uh, I was kind of surprised maybe the Colts didn't kind of pick him up just to have a, you know, kind of like what AFC division rivals (laughs) tend to do, pick someone up and pick their brain or whatever. Sure. Um, But especially because of their quarterback situation anyway. Yeah. um, Good move, right? I mean, it's, it's not... It's it's worth noting, but it's nothing worth everybody freaking out over, right? Yeah, I mean, One I, way or the other. I think I, this is a, the ideal situation. I mean, you get to use that 53rd spot on somebody that can actually contribute, um, and you get to hold on to Woodside and let him continue to develop on the practice squad. And I do think he's got some upside as a long-term backup, so hopefully you get him to continue working with the scout team, continue developing, and then next year – you know, obviously, I don't think Mario and Tannehill are both going to be back next year. One of those two is going to be gone, and Woodside maybe could step into that number two spot for whoever's left, or you know, if they whatever ends up happening at the the starting quarterback position, I think Woodside at least will come into camp as a potential backup quarterback solution, and you know, that's that's a good thing. You always want to have good young quarterbacks around. 
Uh, Dalen Dawkins making it over Jeremy McNichols just goes to show, no matter <laughs> what you may fall in love with, yep. listen to what the coaches say. Yeah, Because Vrabel always seemed to have a, some kind of caveat or someone else was to... Um, was, he ha- always credited someone else with everything you saw Jeremy McNichols do. Yep. And apparently this team secretly loved Dalen Dawkins. Um, they kept flu, of course. Yep. So Dalen Dawkins more than likely won't be active on most game days. Yeah. But what, what what's your takeaway on, on that situation? Yeah, so I mean, I, it, like Vrabel at every com- press conference, the media would ask him, oh, you know, McD- McNichols had that big run. Because he had a big play in every preseason game, it seemed like. Uh, and they they'd say, oh, what about McNichols on that big run? And Vrabel would say stuff like, oh, that was actually the least he could have gotten out of that run. Um, he he could, should have gotten more. That play was blocked up really well. And then they'd ask him about him again a couple days, you know, a couple weeks later, and he's saying, well, he really needs to to improve on special teams, and starts talking about him needing to be a good special teams player to make the roster. So I think Vrabel was kind of giving us some hints about what they really thought about McNichols, and not that McNichols isn't a talented player I think he is I think they just wanted something different out of that fourth running back spot and I know a lot of people are salty about Fluellen is the most divisive player like Loki the most (laughs) divisive player on the Titans roster there are people that love David Fluellen are like oh man I just love this guy he's a hard worker you know lunch pail guy whatever and then there are the others that are like if we don't cut Fluellen we might as well just you know mail it mail it in We're, we're never going to the Super Bowl as long as he's on the roster like there's, there's people that were very upset about uh, Fluellen making the roster for whatever reason. I'm like, he's going to play fullback. Like, that that was going to be his role from the very beginning. Fullback and he plays special teams. Yeah, like, he's really the, good on special teams. It's very important that you do multiple things for on this team. Yeah. I don't, Especially if you're going to be a backup, like right. the guys at the very bottom of the depth chart. Like, it brings us to our next point. And I don't know if you really want to get into it, but Taewon Taylor is no longer on this team. Yeah, I'm relieved. Okay. I'm relieved. I, I wish him well. I don't think he's going to give be able to give away any Browns secrets or give away any Titan secret to the Browns. The only thing that he could possibly give away is Henry may not be 100% or Landry's injury may not. That's if the motherfucker paid attention <laughs> to anything didn't. going on he around him. Didn't. So I'm not too worried. Uh, but... It gets you back to the Tajay thing, and some big things I heard about Tajay this week was that he could play all three positions, and he's been working on trying to get involved in special teams. Once again, being... Uh, had do being able to do a variety of things, no matter how you feel about a player, we all know that he's slow. Yeah, but. If he, if Marcus trusts a guy, because he got injured, I think in the Dallas game or right before the Dallas game too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a third down, move the chains kind of guy. I know he got humped. He's still a wide receiver four or five. He still had uh, besides the Chargers game, which was great. He still the, his his season high last year was thirty three yards. Right, right. I don't I don't need to hear this, about how listen, great Tosh. I'm just saying that on the third downs, that's it. Yeah. But a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Yeah. You want someone that's going to be able to yeah, do yeah. it correctly. Right. AJ Brown will be on will be on that depth chart at number one, week two, week three. Yeah. I mean, there's just no doubt about it in my mind. Do you think we really miss are going to miss anything that Taewon brings to the game? Because I feel that A.J. Brown is a viable deep threat. 
if, if Brown can develop as a deep threat, I think you won't miss Taylor at all. I, I You know, that was the one thing that I kept me hanging on to Taylor and, and hoping that he would put it together. I mean, I recognize that he had major issues, but the talent, the ability to get behind a defense and get open deep is still valuable in the NFL. And he was the only guy that I really felt comfortable could do that on a regular basis for the Titans. Now, we did see A.J. Brown flash that once uh, during camp um, on the the play that we we described uh, here on on the F-Words pod. Um, But, you know, he's a rookie. We don't really know yet. So there's nobody with a proven track record on this team of getting deep. Besides maybe, you know, Corey Davis did it a couple times last year. But you don't want him running clear outs and deep routes like that. You want him being the guy that you're clearing out for to give him space to work in the middle of the field and and get open on the edges. So I, I don't know. I think there's a chance that they do miss Taylor if nobody emerges. But Brown has – there's different ways to be a, a vertical threat, I guess you could say. You don't have to just be fast if you're also – if you're a big guy who can win with physicality at the catch point – you can be just as good a deep threat as anybody because just the DBs can't defend you down there. So, you know, if Brown can be that guy for them, then that's the best case scenario in all of this because then you can play Brown, Humphreys, and Davis, and you have your best three receivers, and they can do it all. Um, so that I think that's where they want to see this offense go, and I hope A.J. Brown can get there sooner than later. Finally, kicker news. Suckup goes on IR. Yep. And we signed Cairo Santos, who is uh, who actually replaced Suckup in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, not a fifty-plus kind of guy. His his bread and his basically his length is about forty-five yards. Yeah. Are we going to see more aggressive play calling to get into that range, like you know, going forward on fourth downs and stuff like that, or are we just going to let MVP Brett Kern <laughs> uh, just you know drop it in the bucket? I would hope that if we're inside about the 35 yard line and it's fourth and you know five or less, we we're going for. It. I I hope that's the result of this because you don't. I mean, long field goals are good in certain situations, but in the middle of a game, you know, 90 percent of your kicks, you don't really want to be taking 50 plus yarders because even the good kickers are relatively you know, scattershot with those, you know, outside of your Justin Tuckers and, and kind of just unbelievable kickers like that, you know, you're looking at like maybe a 50, 50 shot at a 50 plus yard field goal. So I think the best case scenario is that they are a little bit more aggressive where it's going to hurt you potentially is late game situations where you just don't have a choice. You know, you're able to get to the 40 yard line and you need a guy that's able to kick it from 57 and he's not going to be able to get there. Um, but Hopefully the Titans play well enough that they're not having to constantly come from behind. You know, this is a a tight game league, though, so it's going to, you know, we're probably going to have some games come down to kicks at some point. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with him. I don't think we need to freak out about, oh, God, you know, this is going to be terrible. We're never going to be able to make a field goal or X point. I mean, he's a pretty accurate kicker um, and has been accurate at pretty much every stop he's been to. I know I've seen some people going, you know, oh, this is a disaster. We're, you know, we're doomed. And uh, I don't think that's the case at all. But yeah, their career accuracy is like 83.6 and 83.2. Yeah. yeah. So, it's I mean, it's negligible difference. The only difference is their leg strength. And that's why Suckup wasn't comfortable being on there is because he doesn't have his bread and butter, which is his strength. Yeah. And that also makes kickoffs 
in kickoff coverage that much more important. So your guys on special teams like your David Fluellens and like your, uh, you know, the new guy, Chris Milton, that we got from the Colts, um, those guys are all that more important now because there's going to be fewer touchbacks with Santos and you're going to need to be able to get down and cover and keep those guys hemmed in, which that actually might be a good thing, honestly, because uh, touchbacks, now that they come out to the 25, are not actually really an ideal scenario if you've got a good coverage team. Well, everybody else has keys to the game, and week one is upon us, so we are going to call this Keys to F Up the Browns. That's right. Uh, let's start with the offense. Art, and this is a quote from Marcus on uh, the Wake Up Zone 104.5, I believe it was. Art and Matt are completely different people. Art doesn't try to put you in a box. So, Mike, after hearing that, what does this offense need to do to F up the Browns? I think the biggest thing that the Titans have to do, and I'm not usually an establish the run guy, but I think they've got to establish the run in this game. They need, I think you're completely wrong, but go ahead. They need Derrick Henry to have some success on early downs because the worst thing you can do against this Browns defense is get behind the down and distance and end up in third and predictable passing situations because then Miles Garrett's going to get a chance to tee off on Dennis Kelly and Olivier Vernon or you know Kelly or Conklin, whichever. Um, and I think you've got to stay out of those situations. So you need to keep it, you know, keep the chains moving, keep the ball moving on the ground, keep Miles Garrett off balance because the worst, the pass rushers love to pass rush. I mean, that, that's what they want to do. They don't love to have a six, eight, 330 pound tackle, you know, coming barreling into them every play. So if you can get them knocked back on their heels a little bit, get the play action working off of that, get some screen game going, keep them from being able to constantly be able to put their ears back and rush. That's that's the way to neutralize Miles Garrett. I think the way to neutralize Miles Garrett is play action. I you don't have to have Derrick Henry to be effective for play action to work and that's just a league-wide thing it's not a knock on Derrick Henry just the threat of the run freezes that defense just a second and I'm saying 12 personnel because that's two tight end sets right yep. 12 personnel play action passes del- get Delaney involved Janu involved let's get some inside stuff and just dink and dunk your way down that to me is the key to neutralize Miles Garrett because you can have the extra tight end on either side wherever he may line up because I know the death chart came out and it kind of was a little surprising but throw the death chart away Vernon on one side and you got him and you got uh, Miles Garrett on the other so 12 tight end sets and Marcus is you know pretty good at 12 tight end sets he loves Delaney Walker and Johnny Smith would be on the other side I'm assuming he's full go because he hasn't been on the injury report yeah seems like he'll give it a go so I'm thinking you dink and dunk your way down you take some deep shots here and there play action passes I want Derrick Henry to be involved, but I don't think necessarily that Derrick Henry has to. You may want him to because that's just eating up the clock and all that kind of good stuff that comes along with the run game. But I think that you are probably and possibly going to have to go touchdown for touchdown with this team because they are a pretty explosive offense. The uh, The Browns run defense sneaky bad, though. It is It is really bad. They ranked uh, 28th in the league in rushing yards allowed, 31st in touchdowns, rushing touchdowns allowed, 24th in yards per attempt allowed, and 25th 
in DVOA. Do you last think year on Sheldon Richardson boosts those stats enough to? I think he's more of a pass pass down defensive tackle. He he gets lost in the shuffle a lot when people yeah. talk about the Browns and they've got know. a really good front four. I yeah. mean, it, the question I think is. I don't think their linebackers are very good. I don't know that they've got a whole lot of – I don't know that they've got the the talent in defending the run that they do in defending the pass. I think they're a better pass defense team than they are run defense. And Greedy Williams, uh, I heard today that right now he's the third cornerback on the depth chart, so I yeah. don't know when he'll see the field or who he'll line up on because he's a better it's, man guy. But if he's lining up against Hump, Hump is going to eat. He's going to uh, eat, eat him alive. It sounds like it's going to be T.J. Carey, most likely, that's going to be in the slot. And Hump should be should have an advantage over T.J. Carey. You know, Denzel Ward's really the only good corner that they have. Um, Terrence Mitchell is a veteran who is who was really bad for the Chiefs a couple years ago. I don't think he's a very good player. Um, I think the Titans will have advantages everywhere except for wherever Denzel Ward is, basically. Well, let's talk about the keys to F up the Browns. Have you uh, read this um, Baker Mayfield quote about the defensive backs and the receivers? No, I haven't. Here's what Baker told uh, Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. I have full confidence in all our playmakers, our skill position guys, that if they have one-on-ones, they should be licking their chops, and they should all take that as disrespect because that's the type of team we have and we need to take advantage of, Mayfield said. It's going to be a matchup game. So he thinks one-on-ones, the skill players, or every skill player is going to eat on one-on-ones. So what are the keys defense to uh, F up the Browns? And wait, I said that wrong. What are the keys to what are the keys to F up the Browns in regards to defense? Uh, I think you... You've got to start with Odell Beckham. Um, I think he's the most dangerous guy on the team. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I, I think Landry's pretty good. Higgins is pretty good. Um, and Joku's pretty good. They've got a lot of weapons out there, but I think Land or uh, Odell Beckham's the one that obviously scares you the most. You just can't have him breaking off these 60, 70-yard touchdown catches and stuff like that. So I think they're going to pay a lot of attention to Odell. Um, I would try to bracket him as much as possible and let – I think Logan Ryan against Jarvis Landry, I feel great about that matchup uh, if I'm a Titans fan, you know, in the slot. I think a, if you put a Dory against uh, Higgins, that's probably about a neutral uh, matchup. And I would put Butler and then try to give him help as much as possible uh, on Odell Beckham. Butler's had success against Odell before. I think that one game they were matched up uh, where he shadowed him, he it was like, he only caught four of 12 targets, I believe, was, but one of them was a long touchdown. But. Butler was responsible for three of 10, yep. and outside of a long touchdown that uh, Devin McCourty took a bad angle on, if yeah. Devin McCourty would have prevented it, uh, if he took that one catch away, he would have been two for nine. Yeah. So, And it would have been like 20-something yards. Like all, all of Odell's thing came on that one busted coverage play by Devin McCourty when yeah. you go back and look at it. I mean, he ate. Odell's lunch yeah and I I agree with you I think Malcolm Butler is a big key to this game and, and Butler's I, been good yeah Butler's been really good in camp and in preseason and going back to the back half of last year I know Titans fans a lot of them are still burned by the early touchdowns he was giving up but Butler's been really good lately he's really good at keeping the number one receiver when he's given the chance in front of him 
because mm. as Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, the 2017 season, they combined for like four or five 40-something yards and one touchdown. I mean, that's Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, which are wildly different receivers as far as skill set goes. So to me, I really think that uh, that Malcolm could see a good day against Odell as long as we get pressure, and that's my key to F up the Browns, is getting pressure and putting Baker in third and eight-plus yardage situations because he's not – and keeping him on the move. Yeah. He's not good on the move, and he's not – he's very mistake-prone in those third and long situations. He has horrible passer ratings in both. I put I put this up in a thread, but bad passer ratings in both. He has a pretty decent chance of throwing an interception on those. Yeah. So – to me, this offensive line, this Browns offensive line, is not good. I know it's I terrible. was talking with a Browns, supposedly a Browns and Titans fan, which is oh, a really weird thing. That is weird. And he was telling me that Greg Robinson is really good. Greg Robinson is trash. And, and they're off, and they have uh, all these good players on their offensive line. Okay, they've got it's a great center, right? Yeah, J.C. Tread, Treader. Treader's good. That's and Batonio is good. Batonio is yeah. really Batonio is the best player on their offensive line, but. Left tackle, right guard, and right tackle. The right tackle, Hubbard, is okay. He's yeah. not terrible. Um, right guard and left tackle are complete trash. I mean, yeah. total garbage. We're way worse than Dennis Kelly and Kevin Pomfield. And, and, and the guy told me, well, you can't expect to beat the Browns with defense. Well, if we keep them from scoring, <laughs> we should win. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. And he tried to bring up Tom Brady. Would you rather the, the team game plan for Tom Brady – uh, and trying to score with go toe to toe with scoring, or have the team game plan for trying to stop Tom Brady. Well, that's why you have an offensive staff and defensive staff because you plan for both. Right? Yeah, it's, it's not a you can't you can't just throw out one side of the ball completely yeah. like that. That's silly. And, and this is a good, well-rounded team, and I think Dean Peace is going to exploit this offensive line and get in Baker's face. the The interesting thing to me is going to be seeing about one the pass rush what does that look like because obviously the pass rush was the biggest weakness on the titans defense last year and i think that's the biggest key for them this year to make the leap from good to great on defense is you've got to get that pass rush going and you know it's it's obvious but we don't know what that's going to look like yet i mean we saw zero snaps from harold landry in preseason we saw 10 from cameron wake and 10 from Darrell casey that's it so we don't we don't know what those guys are going to look like together when they're on the field going full speed, really letting it loose. And I'm excited to see it because I think you're going to see some third down rush packages that are going to feature Casey, Landry, Wake, and Evans. And I, I think that's a really nice group um, to be able to put out there and, and get after the passer, especially against a suspect defensive line or offensive line for the Browns. What are your final predictions? Um... I think the Titans are going to win this game. I really do. I I know it's hard it's hard for me to sometimes separate what you know, you're close to a team, you see all the 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 things and you want to think you want to think they're everything's going to pan out the way they hope it to, right? So it it might not. But I do think the Browns are a little bit overrated. I think be, having a bad offensive line and good skill position players is typically not the best way to set up your roster I, I think most of your good teams last year had really good offensive lines and maybe Baker can mask some of that because he is 
I think an excellent quarterback, but we'll see. And I, I don't think the defense is that great outside of the pass rush. So as long as the Titans can keep them off balance a little bit and, and not let uh, Garrett get going and just take over the game, I, I think they'll have some success there too. I think the Titans end up winning this one. I, I'm going to go Titans win as well. I, I've still been kind of tossing around the idea of trying to get to Cleveland, but tickets are so expensive yeah. for the game. Uh, it's it's hype city. Yeah, it's hype it's city. hype city. I'm going 24-17. Okay. Uh, Titans win. I think that we are going to see a high tempo. I am so excited to see this offense. Yeah, me too. I'm actually more excited to see this offense than I was to see Lafleur's. I think. Really? Yeah. I think it's because that I I take Marcus's remarks. I kind of see what we saw in preseason, and actually, I'm 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 hyped. Yeah, I'm hyped for this team. I think our defense is going to be good because you're right. Our defense has not seen Wake, Landry, Casey on the field at the same time, not to mention Evans and Jayon Brown and now all this. And those guys can make it easier for our defensive backs. Mm -hmm. And so I am super excited to see this full defense in form, what Dean Pease and Mike Vrabel have decided to come up with. Yeah. I'm excited to see what Arthur Smith can do. I'm definitely excited for some good Arthur Smith GIF reactions. <laughs> I feel like he's going to be a, a good one to have. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped to see it. I, I want to see what the offense looks like with all the new weapons because, I mean, we just talked about the pass rush on uh, – on the other side of the ball, the Titans offense, first team offense, we haven't seen a single snap with Delaney Walker, Johnu Smith, you know, Hump, Hump, Davis, all of them, all of them on Brown, the field, all of Derrick them, Henry. You know, obviously all those guys can't even be on the field yeah. at the same time, but it'll be nice to see what, how they balance those weapons and, you know, kind of how they're able to use it. There's a lot of tools there, I think, for Arthur Smith to, to work with and a healthy Mariota is the biggest one and hopefully we don't see a freaking injury <laughs> in oh, let me the say first this, two quarters it, 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 the big thing yesterday was pk talking about um and he didn't even ask the question but talking about the the same old droll answers that marcus gonna yeah, get. Yeah, yeah which after year five i mean i think we all know that you're never gonna get anything good out marcus no um but at the end like he just like casually like bends his arm and he's not even trying to flex, but the muscles are just so big, <laughs> so big, just popping out of They're the shirt, just, uh, just popping out. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be a really fun game, and I to me, it's probably the most exciting game out of the whole slate of games because it is the overhyped, under talked about yeah. teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I, I don't think the national people are going to see it that way. They're going to see it as the Browns are going to trounce these poor hapless Titans, but. You know, don't worry about what the national people say. Yeah, don't worry about those guys. All right, speaking of what people say, I think we have some bold predictions Whoa, to get to. hell yeah. Uh, so I just sent you Lebowski's via text. Peek behind the curtain, everybody. Uh-oh. So what I'll do, let's do this. Let's start with Keith's. We'll go Keith, you, okay. me, Lebowski. Okay. Okay? Okay, so here we go. And these are all, these bold predictions are sponsored by, the Keith's is sponsored by CoverGirl Get In Line Bold Brown Liquid Eyeliner. Mm. If it's good enough for Pete Wentz, it's good enough for you. That's CoverGirl Get In Line Bold Brown Liquid Eyeliner. So Keith's bold pick is that he thinks for the NFL, we're doing NFL and Titans, I probably should have said that too. 
His NFL bold pick is for the first time since 2012, a quarterback does not win the AP NFL MVP. Is that spicy enough for you? That's pretty spicy. Yeah, it's hard for me to see happening. So yeah, and his Titans one. This one's getting a little hot in here. <laughs> it's a little hot. Tannehill will start at least six games. Oh no! Oh, Don't do it, muy caliente. Don't do it. What do you think about the Tannehill uh, remark from your uh, brother? Hey, I mean, he's uninvited from Christmas for one. Yeah. Um. God, I hope I hope he's wrong. I mean, obviously, I could see it happening. All it takes is you know one freak injury, you know, or somebody land on Marcus's legs, or you know him to catch an elbow or catch a helmet on his elbow or whatever. But you know, God, I hope it does not happen. I mean, surely not, right? Uh, surely not. All right, Mike, you ready for yours? Yeah, you have a sponsor. Your sponsor is okay. a bag of Doritos Bold Barbecue Flavored Tortilla Chips. Mm. When you want something that makes your poop smell weird, go to your local sit-go and grab a bag of Doritos Bold Barbecue. <laughs> Give me your Titans Bold Pick. So my Bold Barbecue uh, Titans Pick is Harold Landry finishes top five in the NFL in sacks this year. All right, top five. Yeah, so that probably put him around 16 or so sacks. Because you did say it was 10 or more earlier. Yeah. Like, you expect more than 10. Yeah, I expect more than 10. Okay. So that's, I'm, that's I'm big. Going, yeah, if I'm going bold, I'm going to say top five. I mean, that's, five. Like, that's like whole peppercorn bold. Yeah. That's bold. And we're throwing that out there. That's a bold bud. Yeah. All right, what is your NFL one? My NFL bold prediction, and I kind of put this out on Twitter this morning, is the Bills make the playoffs. I, I, you know, we've talked about the Bills before on here. I'm a big fan of Sean McDermott, and I think that team is set up to where if Josh Allen is even remotely, just marginally better than he has been, in, than he was last year, and he looked really good in preseason. I know it's just preseason, but it has to be said he did look pretty good. Uh, I think the Bills make the playoffs. That is pretty bold. And yeah. I, I kind of am on board with that one. Like, that's a shareable yeah. plate of wings okay. kind of hot All take. Right. Yeah. I like it. I like a good shareable plate of wings. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll give you mine. And right. my bold predictions are sponsored by Calibri Bold Font. For when Times New Roman and Control B just won't do, <laughs> Calibri Font. Boring, bold, beautiful. <laughs> my NFL pick is that the Falcons make it to the Super Bowl but the Steelers win it. Do they fall behind, or do they get ahead 28-3 to again? Uh, probably. <laughs> but that would be my bold pick. I think with that defense coming back, I, I think both teams are set for a huge rebound year. Yeah. Because I, the Steelers would be my other pick. I'm with you on both And those. I think that the Steelers' defense looks really, really good. But the I think with everybody getting healthy and Calvin Ridley in his second year, in his sophomore year, Devontae Freeman is fully healthy and back. I think you're looking at a team that's going to make a noise that a lot of people I feel like are sleeping on. Yeah. Heading into it. Yeah. All right. How would you rate that spiciness? Um, That's pretty – it's pretty bold. I'd say it's uh, – I mean, you're calling a Super Bowl prediction, so probably like a nice fresh jalapeno. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. My Titans one I think is pretty spicy. Okay. Derrick Henry will lead the NFL in rushing – 
and rushing rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Mm. And by getting more than 1,500 yards rushing and more than 12 rushing touchdowns. Wow. I could see it. I could see it. That, that one's spicy. It's um. I, I don't know if it's quite as spicy as the Super Bowl pick, but it's probably like a maybe like a warm um, like a banana pepper. Oh, a yeah, banana pepper. Banana pepper. You, so yeah. you think the Super Bowl pick is spicier than saying someone's not only going to lead the league in two categories, but uh, also go over fifteen hundred yards and over twelve touchdowns? Uh, you may be right. Okay. You may be right. All right. Last but not least, are you ready for Lebowski's? Yeah, let's go. He is sponsored by a bottle of KC Masterpiece Bold Barbecue that I bought at Publix earlier. Slather it all on your meat and get sticky. A bottle of KC Masterpiece Bold Barbecue. Well, um, I think... Oh, no, that's, uh, <laughs> I, uh, continue doing it. I don't know if this is really a good one, but let's think, do it. I think Zeke's going to have a terrible season. Just uh, just awful. Like He's <laughs> he's going to get paid, and he's, he's going to throw all that fucking money in the trash. I that's think I do. think that's a pretty spicy take. I, I I really feel like his are the spiciest, but yeah. that one is that one is that's spicy because if that happens, not only is it Tony Pollard's season down in Dallas, but man, does the Cowboys look foolish for giving all that money to him? Yeah, what do you? Absolutely. How do you? I I rate that a ghost pepper spicy. It's pretty toasty. Um, I'd say, yeah, yeah maybe maybe like a habanero. Habanero? Yeah, yeah. All right. What's his uh, Titans one? Oh, um, I got to get in Lebowski. Uh. <laughs> if I knew we were doing impressions, I would have done a Keith impression. Marcus balls out. Titans losing the AFC championship. City's pleased. Marcus gets extension. Now, let, let me say this. If we suck in the AFC championship because Marcus sucks, <laughs> will the city still be pleased? Part of the city will probably yeah. not be pleased, but... <laughs> Uh, I think most of the city would be pleased with a run to the AFC Championship I, game. I feel like that is a uh, accidentally touch a pan out of the oven without an oven mitt hot. Like it burns, it hurts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get, you get like blisters later and stuff. But you're like pulling a delicious meal out of the yeah. oven. So like you're like, you know, I'm pretty happy I get to eat this meal, but ow, my finger. Right. That's that's a spicy take. Yeah. I mean, he, he took some bold steps because not only does Marcus ball out, but he also makes it to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that is that's a very spicy take. And gets an extension, not a franchise tag. That is extraordinarily spicy. Yeah. There's multiple levels to that spice. Yeah, there, there's a, it's a it's a very layered uh, tasting spicy dish. It's got a lot of heat. It's like it's got heat at the beginning, then you you think it's okay, and then it gets you on the back end. Yeah, a little as well. afterburn. Yeah. yeah, like it hits you later. Mm-hmm. It's and it also you'd probably take a dump later and you fill it in your Ooh, butthole too. That's so spicy, it's like three levels right that there. That spicy butthole. It's yeah. just bad. Well, that does it for us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at F words pod at Mike miracles and at yeah. Zach words 85. Yeah. I'm trying to start back up the, <laughs> uh, the personal Twitter account. Yeah. Uh, you can see our 2019 NFL 100 predictions for the playoffs, our playoff predictions, and our Super Bowl winners on at Mike Miracles and on at ZachWords85. Yeah. Um, we had, I think, we had differing for the most part, some differing stuff. Yeah, I try, I tried to with mine. I tried to not just pick like all the favorites because I mean it's easy to just say oh, all the good teams are going to make it. There's going to be some surprises, and it, the, half the fun of the NFL tre- season is trying to figure out which ones those might be. So a few of those are. Wild cards. You can find Lebowski and all of his takes at Mr. Lebowski. And then 
You can find Keith on Twitter. You won't get anything out of it <laughs> at Internet Keith. Uh, please, we, please go follow him. I want him to have the greatest follower to tweet ratio of all time. <laughs> that would be pretty good. <laughs> Let me ask you this before we go. Uh, final thing. Football's back, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Hell baby. Hell yeah. Oh, I stepped on you. You go ahead. Hell yeah. Uh, so for everybody here at Football and Other F-Words, you have just been effed.